dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. This is Broncos for Breakfast on Monday morning. I am Scott Kennedy, one of your usual hosts, but I have a guest host coming in with me today. This is Kim Becker from Beckoning the Broncos, sitting in for Nick Kendall, who will be back tomorrow. And I've done shows with Kim uh, on the on the back end doing producing and stuff, but this is the first time we have gotten to do a show together. So welcome, Kim. Appreciate you getting up early, bright and early, and doing a Broncos for Breakfast. That's not always the easiest person to find. This is a late, this is a night owl type of crew at Mile High Huddle. So thanks for getting up and uh, and being with us this morning. Well, lucky for you, Scott, I'm actually a morning person. So this works a lot better for me than nights. And, you know, nothing better than the Denver Broncos to get you up and talking about. Not necessarily this um, past game that we watched on Saturday, maybe specifically, but no, very excited to be here. Yes, it's it's fun to have you face to face here, hypothetically, kind of and figuratively with me instead of being my producer today. Yeah, being with with uh, a Saturday game, I've gotten to produce for Chad, Eric, and Zach, so I've kind of gotten their feelings on where they stand on this. And you know, there's some the emotions can run high right out of the gate, and then they can cool off. You know, the gut reaction, the aftermath. This is kind of the 48 hour rule. I, I like the Monday mornings, honestly. Of uh, you know, you can look at it, and and sometimes you get madder, honestly. <laughs> but what was your gut reaction, and kind of where are you feeling now after watching? I think I titled it in the description a comprehensive beatdown. You know, a comprehensive Buffalo Bills victory. What was your initial reaction, concerns, etc.? And you know, well, not you don't have to lay it all out right now and mm-hmm. talk for thirty minutes like normal, but you know. <laughs> Your initial reaction. I know I'm normally talking to myself for 30 minutes, but um, so I kind of was watching the game sporadically as it was played live. So I was like, I just kept seeing the score because I was at work and I was like, okay, that's not good. That's not good. But, but then I was reading things, you know, and it said, well, the bills are playing all of their starters and the Broncos are playing all of their second string. And then last night I watched the game. I sat down on my couch and rewatched it. And I'm like, um, okay, I think this is actually worse than I thought it was on Saturday <laughs> because I just thought it was really, you know, all of the Bills starters against 
the Broncos guys that are competing for those spots. But what I really noticed when I was watching it myself is that it just looked like nobody wanted to play football. It looked like they weren't running hard. There were so many missed tackles. It just was very confusing after all that we've seen in the offseason and in training camp, all the hype and enthusiasm. And then literally the game on Saturday, it just looked like they showed up just to practice and jog around. It just did not look like the team we had been expecting to see. Well, attitude reflects leadership. Captain from, uh, you know, Remember the Titans, one of my favorite lines and scenes. Great movie. Great movie. And Nathaniel Hackett's on record as saying, I hate the preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. They look like it. They look like they didn't want to be there. But that's a little bit scary when you're talking about 35 guys that are on the chopping block. Well, you know, 50 guys and 35 guys are, are going to be cut in the next eight days. Five mm-hmm. of them will go out tomorrow. So, you know, there's some guys there that should have been out there playing like it was their last, last down of Broncos football. Uh, in a Broncos uniform, and and that was a little concerning. And I don't necessarily put that on the coach. These are professionals, and you know the the coach isn't there to be a hype man. He's there to be an evaluator. You know, in the preseason, it's almost like, man, if you can't get yourself up, I don't want you here. You know, so it's it, it, the, the motivational aspect of it. I don't put that on the coaching staff in a preseason game at all. They're they're kicking back, kind of saying, show me what you got. Yeah. To a certain extent, Kim. And I think that's exactly what Nathaniel Hackett said in his pregame press conference after their last practice last week. He said, this is a great opportunity. I know that the Buffalo Bills will go and play most of their starters. This is a great opportunity for our guys to step up and show us what they got. I think that was literally what he said. And I bet he was a little bit disappointed, as are we, after that performance. And, you know, like you said, Nathaniel Hackett and the whole coaching staff, they're not here to be hype men. I think he's pretty much been as best of a hype man as he possibly could be in the offseason and and in training camp. And now when these Saturdays and preseason roll around and when the Sundays roll around in the regular season, these guys, they don't need a hype man. They have had a hype man up until this point. Now they really have to buckle down and prove to Nathaniel Hackett that the way he has been in the offseason, in training camp with that energy was worth it and will work for them. Because right now it's almost just showing, well, what did you guys think that was a joke? I mean, what, like what, what happened on Saturday when you woke up in, in New York and you went to play that game? It's just confusing. And I don't know if it's a misery loves company thing. You know, maybe a couple guys here and there in the beginning just did not get off to a good start. And the rest of the team was like, ah, whatever, it's preseason. Like, we're all just going to match that energy. But it just was not a good look all around. This is going to sound cruel, but to a certain extent, it's a relief to Nathaniel Hackett because he's got to make about 30 cuts. Ah, you know, he's got true. to cut about 30 guys, 32 guys. And it's like, well, fellas. You, Some of y'all made this real easy for me. You painted your own destiny here. You know? yeah. So, you know, again, there's going out and trying to win the games, but you're still, this is still the evaluation process. That's what's going on. That's why I said, I don't mind them getting all hyped up and, you know, being a hype man for a, a, an actual game, but I don't need the, the player should be self-motivated at this point. Um, want to say goodbye as the stream has opened up a little bit. We've been in about six minutes already. The numbers are climbing. So make sure you hit that like and share button that we ask you to do all the time. That helps helps us reach more Broncos fans and introduce us to to more folks because we've got lots of faces, lots of different faces at, at Mile High Huddle. Jeremy Sean, an old face. We know, not an old face, but, you know, uh, not an old guy. I don't know if <laughs> now I put my foot in my mouth, Jeremy. You know I knew I mean. where you were going with that. <laughs> One of the good ones. Kevin saying good morning, Broncos country, Nick and Scott. Nick will be back tomorrow morning. Uh, but Kim and Scott today. Uh, he's worried about the depth at center and the offensive and defensive line. And Kevin, we're, we're going to hit on that because mm-hmm. to me, there's certain things to be concerned about. And there's certain things from this game. They're like, man, it's preseason. 
I'm not in the camp of I'm concerned about everything and I'm not concerned about anything. There's yeah. definitely certain things, aspects of this game that scared the crap out of me for the Denver Broncos. So sunny days coming in. Appreciate you coming in with the, the hearts and the thumbs up. And Ken Rose. Ken Rose says, hello, Scott, and welcome, Kim. I re- feel like I recognize the, the face, but not necessarily <laughs> the name. So welcome welcome in, Ken. Glad to have you here. Uh, Dave Glass- Glassman, for sure. Bama X, and good morning. Patrick. Marshman. Marshman. Nice. Marshman uh, Gunnar. Gunnar. <laughs> Chris Jenkins, saying morning, Broncos family. Morning, Scott oh, and Kim Hoff. First day of school for my kiddos. The house is quiet. Oh, kinda, celebrate that. <laughs> nice, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. nice, isn't it? Soak um, it in. The problem I have is the the bus is kind of sporadic. Ooh. So, Dad, the bus isn't here. All right. I'll be up in a minute to, uh, to get out. Oh, no. Trying to get ready for the show. So run them to school. But we live close to school, which is which is kind of nice. Um, Always a key there. So, Chris, good morning. Dom coming in. Love you, Dom. Appreciate you being here. Says good morning, Scott, Kim, Broncos country. Nice to see you on a Monday, Kim. Absolutely. Gary Leeds Palmer coming in. (laughs) Kicking us off with some stars. So thank you, Gary. So good morning, Scott and Kim. Thanks for standing in, Kim. Go Broncos (laughs) and let's ride. Um, And and Cameron says, kind of reiterating what I was saying, I believe this was brilliant on Hackett to see what these younger guys can do and who to cut. Like I said, to a certain extent, it's a a little bit of a relief. You know, hey, you can't. I don't want to talk about a lack of motivation in the preseason. These guys are fighting for jobs. It's not the coach's job to motivate them. These are professionals. That's it's not. These this is evaluation period. If I'm out there holding tryouts, so to speak, which I've done way too often, honestly, with kids in three different sports, the coaches aren't out there hyping the team up. They're sitting there with clipboards and watching, and they're basically silent. They're running through. This is these are the things I want you to do. Show me what you got. They have had weeks weeks, yeah, weeks and weeks of motivating them, you know, and of trying to make it look like, yes, this is the place that you want to be, you know, fight for this spot. Look at the leaders that we've got on this team. Maybe they weren't out on the field, you know, the big ones on Saturday and Russell Wilson and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson and everybody else, but they know that they're still on the sidelines watching. And also I would just think as a, as a teammate and as a player, you would want to go out and give your best performance for those guys watching, you know, when you're out there with the starters, that's a different because they can't see everything. They- not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl, not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner you do but if i knew Russell Wilson was, was out there watching me yeah i'd be like okay let's go you know like i mean it's just it was just really weird it didn't it didn't feel it felt like they they forgot there was a game almost like it just was weird and you know with nathaniel hackett he did say of course and we all could have assumed this that he's not the personality that likes to cut guys of course no one really does you know but he said that was really tough doing that the first go when he had to cut down the five as you know the first time as the head coach but I mean, I, I still think that this is probably going to be hard for him because he's he's relieved to an extent, sure, but I think he's probably disappointed in some of these guys because he probably already had an idea in his head of who yeah. maybe was going to get that cut and, you know, maybe said, okay, if this person steps up and then if they didn't, it's just, you know, he's he's done everything that he can to get these guys to, to want the spot to go out there and give 100% and then to see that, you're just probably like – did I go wrong? You know, that's always your first assumption when something happens when you're a leader of a group like that. You know, what did I do? What happened? And so he probably beat himself up a little bit first, which you don't want to see right now. And I'm, it'll be very interesting to see how this next game goes to see if any of those guys really do step up to understand if they were disciplined at all this last week. I mean, it was just it was just surprising, really, to mm. me. Yeah, you got one more chance, guys, um, you know, before you go from 80 to 53. You got one more shot at this thing. Um, want to get into some of the things. Again, there's there's a little yeah. bit of a narrative of, oh, you know, and I, I posted on there, you know, the, the, on Twitter during the game. I'm like, the, the Bills are making this look really easy. And when you can get 10 yards a snap right up the gut on every running play, it is easy. Yeah. It is easy. One of the immediate responses, well, what do you expect when they're playing their starters against our threes? Um, no, that that's not how it happened. And I, I actually broke down some numbers to debunk that myth that we'll get into in a minute. But Miguel comes in. He says, good morning, guys. Are you worried about the defense like like I am? I'm really yeah. nervous. And, and Miguel, it is the defense, specifically the defensive line, that concerned me. The offense, I'm not too worried about. Yeah. You play without with, – with, you rotate your skill positions, but your offensive line and your quarterback, they don't come out. Those are those are set six the whole time. You need a little bit of depth at wide receiver. You could use two running backs, but on the defense, there's big time rotations out there, and you're playing your twos a mm -hmm. lot, mm -hmm. like one out of every three snaps a lot, and you can't go out there and be – wet toast, whatever analogy you want to use. You can't go out there and look as bad as they did. So it did scare me uh, what I saw from the second team defensive line. Kim? Well, and like you said, I know you did some research and I'm a little bit scared, but also intrigued by, <laughs> by that to hear what you found. But yes, everyone has to be prepared. It is such a big rotation when it comes to the defensive line because these guys – exert so much energy they cannot play every single rep and we don't want them to because that would be just as bad as throwing in the twos and threes not necessarily that that's bad but just meaning that you know you have to be able to have depth and these guys have to be focused I think that's something that I noticed during the game also is that 
when they were rotating, it's almost like the guys that were coming into the, onto the field, they didn't even know what was going on. It's like they weren't paying attention even on the sidelines. It just felt so disconnected. And so, yes, after that performance, Miguel, I agree with you. I am really nervous just based off of that performance. You know, looking back to the Cowboys game, it didn't seem – like it was that much of a concern in that game. So I don't know if it was maybe just the practice that they had had with the Cowboys right before. So they kind of could anticipate a little bit more as, um, you know, kind of something that I, I thought of, but I, I am nervous again. I mean, we were obviously not playing a lot of our key defensive players against the bills. So there is that tiny little sliver of like, okay, but, but however, all in all, um, after that performance, yeah, I am pretty nervous as well. And uh, David comes in and makes a good point. He says, while depth concerns about the Broncos are warranted, we also have to take into consideration that the bills may be the most talented team in the NFL, especially their offense. Yes. Yeah, especially on offense. Um, the depth, my goodness. Uh, again, that's what it comes down to. Is yeah. And the depth on offense is injury insurance. You, like I said, you're not necessarily swapping guys in and out on offense like you do on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're offensive depth. But again, what what's scary for other teams that have to face the bills and the Denver Broncos are hoping to be one of those teams that hope to lock horns with the, with the bills in, in the playoffs is Shaq Lawson was a destroyer out there. He's listed third team, you know, he, he's listed third team for them. Um, I've done some appearances with, uh, with, with our, our, one of our colleagues at the Buffalo bills. And I popped in on their chat after the game yesterday and they're talking about, you know, who do we keep? Who do we cut? So they might keep nine defensive linemen. They run a four, three. So they, they've got okay. uh, two ends and two defensive tackles. So they've got, you know, two plus one for every position. They've got three, four, 12, 16 defensive linemen right now. Oh and my a lot God. of them played, you know, a so very... when we're talking about what do we do and we'll get into that. What do we do? Who do we add? you I'm going to be watching the Buffalo Bills cut list. I, I promise you that because you can't keep all those guys on the practice squad either. Um, there's going to be four or five guys come off the Bills that are could be plugged into starting rotations of come game one. So, yes, David, this is a very good point. The Bills are a measuring stick. And right now, the the, the Broncos, as far as the depth goes, didn't measure up. And, you know, it is good for the Denver Broncos to play a team like the Bills right now in preseason. I know the score doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, the outcome doesn't really matter. What matters is just the performance and the product that we saw. However, now they know the caliber of a team that will be playing in the AFC championship game, most likely, you know, or at least in the playoffs. So now they can understand they really do have to step up if that's actually what they want. You know, we've heard so many of these Players on the Broncos say it's Super Bowl or bust, it's playoffs or bust. Well, if they really mean that, this is the caliber of team that you're going to have to play. Probably that's only half of what they will be come, you know, 18 weeks from now. So, I mean, I think it's it's good for them to see firsthand. It's good for them to understand. I'm sure they were not feeling well in the locker room after that game. And, you know, knowing that the Bills are having a very different conversation with the guys that they have to cut and deciding than Nathaniel Hackett and the front office here in Denver are having, it's, it's a wake up call. It really is. And, you know, 
I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of glad it happened. I'm very glad it happened in the preseason, but I'm glad it happened now with some of our starters on the sideline because now they can kind of step up into the locker room and be like, what just happened? What are you guys doing? You know, what do we have to do? And I think this week of practice is going to be, you know, a, a lot more cracked down and it's, it's going to be a lot more serious, but the coaching staff also gets to see what they're going up against. You know, that was something I touched on and on beckoning the Broncos a few weeks ago is that this coaching staff has also never coached together. And I think that's such a strong component. So now that they have seen what it's like to go up against a team that is so strong and knowing that the, that team, that the bills are going to have to cut a lot of their good players, I'm sure that they can evaluate them as well and then understand. So maybe it's good to play a team at the caliber that the bills have now knowing that there are some cuts and some ads that are going to be made in the coaches can get a lot out of this as well. Yeah, I, uh, going, uh, learning what it's going to be like, what I would have learned from this before anything else, you know, when you troubleshoot something, you go to what is the the first thing, if this doesn't work, nothing's going to work type of thing. It's like, well, the refrigerator's not working. Well, you know, is it getting power? Is it plugged in? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, it's plugged in. Well, it, is, is the socket getting power? We check those things before we get to, okay, yeah, it's out of Freon. Whatever, you have to work your way through. You know, there's a lawnmower have gas in it. You know, ask Sling Blade, old movie. You probably haven't even seen that one, Kim. No, it ain't got no gas in it. Uh, it ain't going to work if you don't have any gas in it. So I'm not going to panic about the linebacker play because the interior defensive line play was so bad in that game. You can't get a firm grasp on what is going on behind them. Again, yeah. if you're able to get 10 yards right off the bat, not any pressure up the middle, easy run game you know it's like oh they played their stars the whole game well did they let me hit the numbers on that real quick because for me what 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 scared me i don't necessarily care broncos reserve offense against defense that doesn't bother me again you're starting five guys that said quinn Miner started and calvin anderson did start those could be two starters come week one but you need all five of your linemen to get an idea even one chink in that armor can ruin a play on offense but the first team, guys listed on the first team for the Denver Broncos, they played 95 snaps. The offensive line played the first two series. They played 10 snaps each. Obviously, both touchdowns. Both mm -hmm. touchdowns. Uh, guys listed on the second team played 219 snaps to the 95. Guys listed on the third team played 253 snaps to the 95. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. 
Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and guys listed on the fourth team. No. Played 94 snaps <laughs> to the 95. So saying that this was ones versus threes oh. is lazy. No. That's, that's a lazy comparison. What I yeah. learned, I can't count on McTelvin Ajim to come in and give me quality minutes in the mm. interior line. That's that's what I learned. I learned I need more than Mike Purcell coming in and, and clogging up the line. I need more than DJ Jones coming back. And if I'm going to run a 4-3, is our Draymond and Deshaun uh, and DJ going to be enough in the middle if I'm going to have two interior linemen? That's what worried me because, well, it's the twos. He's a backup for a reason. Again, backup defensive linemen play a lot. And if it's an automatic touchdown when you're reserve defensive linemen and your second team offensive linemen, you're going to lose. These are mm-hmm. fine margins in the NFL. You need those guys to come in and be able to get stops. And they didn't they didn't stop anybody. So that was my biggest worry. Not Alex Singleton, not uh, Joe Schobert coming in off the yeah. street for two days and not playing yeah, that well. well. Yeah. The played interior well defensive status. line did a terrible job of keeping the linebackers clean. Yeah. You know, oh, they couldn't get off blocks. Well, they were getting free shots at them. I mean, yeah, yeah you want them to be able to get, but you know, the best linebackers are the ones that can that can flow freely to the ball without having, you know, pulling guards, tight ends, et cetera, up on them instantaneously mm-hmm. because your interior line's a, a turnstile. I mean, I wish I could be a fly on the wall listening to the defense this week because, you know, as you said, if that defensive line isn't staying put and doing their job, then of course you're going to have missed tackle after missed tackle. And that's exactly what we saw on Saturday. You know, I mean, it just seemed like the linebackers were kind of expecting something else from the guys in front of them. And then it didn't happen. And then they had to kind of step it up, you know, a hundred percent more than what they were expecting to do. And I think that's going to be really telling maybe to understand how that relationship goes from here on out from, really the linebackers to the defensive line, are they going to be, you know, kind of blaming them or are they going to step up as leaders and just say, okay, no, we're just going to focus a little bit more and make sure that we can see those, those gaps. But overall it is extremely concerning to know that we did have that many playing against the bills. Third, fourth, fourth. I mean, that's what's scary. Those numbers that you just put out 253. Is that what you said for the third, the guys on the third team? I mean, that is that's you can't say that we were playing all of their starters and that no, can't be a cop out. Their, um, their starting offensive line led the first two drives easily, very easily. Good. And then the yeah. rest of the points came with second and third team on the offensive yeah. line. Uh, Albert Knopper's coming in. Say good morning, Scott and Kim. Good morning, Albert. Appreciate you being here. Lawrence with a, a good compliment and, and some stars naturally from Lawrence says, hello guys. This is a good pairing for a show. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's why. So I reached out to Kim. Yeah, I said, this is be so here. fun. <laughs> you want to, uh, will, you, will, you, uh, will you get up in the, on a Monday morning and, and talk talk some football? Um, okay. Looking at snap counts, Kim, again, mm-hmm. the player with the most uh, was Barrington Wade. Okay. That's not somebody we've talked about as, not you know, 
being in the rotation. Jonathan Harris, again, was in there next to McTelvin Ajim a lot mm -hmm. and was culpable for a lot of the bad. Um, again, when, when there was McTelvin Ajim and Jonathan Harris in there in the interior line, it was 10 yards of carry. Second one, it was easy. Straight easy peasy. Mm -hmm. um, and for whatever it's worth, uh, Jonathan Harris got a 28.1 grade from uh, from Pro Football Focus. The fourth most snaps, so two and four on the snap count, were McTelvin Ajim and Jonathan Harris. <laughs> there is the story of the game, was wow. their inability to slow down uh, the, the Bills running game, no matter who was playing. Yeah. You're going to need some help on the interior line and it can't just be the starters. It can't be because you can't play them no. 65 snaps a game. Mm -mm. No. And again, I mean, it just goes back to, I think we had hyped up and focused so much on Russell Wilson and the offense that we were, we were all saying, oh, well, the defense was honestly not that bad last year. You know, the defense was pretty good on the Broncos last year. We had nothing to worry about when it comes to the defense. And now we've got our quarterback. And that was the the last and, you know, the last missing piece to this puzzle. But now I think that um, we're all kind of kicking ourselves a little bit because I don't think we had really understood what was going on on defense so much as, you know, a from a coaching standpoint to the players standpoint, I think even the defensive players, you know, I watched all of the press conferences after training camp, after practices during training camp. And a lot of our defensive players were just asked how, what, what's it like having Russell Wilson on your team? What's it like being, you know, having that leader on the offense? Whoa. Did we not even understand what was going on on the defensive side of the ball? Like, was this right under our nose the entire time? And we didn't see it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I wish I could go back and watch some of these practices during training camp, because I feel like if we had noticed that from the defensive line, we would have been a little bit more concerned going into these preseason games. So I'm not really sure if this is just a new development, if these guys just were kind of coasting through training camp because they were like, oh, well, all we needed was that offensive piece. So we're chilling here on defense. But I think this is this is a, a scary thing for probably everybody um, in the orange and blue right now. And everybody that was wearing a jersey on Saturday is probably like, oh, OK, wait a second. I think we need to focus on the other well, side of the ball for a sec. Deshaun Williams is being counted on as a starter in a 3-4 base, and he was a reserve last year. Um, DJ Jones wasn't out there, and they're talking about having him play inside, you know, play in a nose guard. Well, he's a little light for a 3-4 nose guard. He reminds me a lot of a, a guy in the Atlanta Falcons who's made multiple Pro Bowls is Grady Jarrett. Uh, Grady Jarrett is a hella defensive tackle inside mm -hmm. of 300 pounds uh, and, and on the shorter side. Mm -hmm. um, but in a, in a three, four line, he's a, he's not quite quick enough to be an end and he's not quite big enough to be a nose guard. He's, he's a little bit out of place. You mentioned, uh, and, and Jeremy Sean comes in and he says, we need to get, uh, what's funny is I, I I'm, I'm much more comfortable saying his last name than his first name <laughs> was going ASAP. Yoma. And the thing is, wasn't, wasn't he a fourth or fifth round pick? You know, you're not counting on him. You're not counting typically on fourth and fifth round picks to come in and be immediate impact players. Yes, you definitely need him to come in and provide some quality depth because right now you're not getting it out of a McTelvin regime. And again, he wasn't hardly a player last year at all. Mm. Now we see why, you know, mm -hmm. he's getting an extended look in the preseason uh, this year. And talking about kids going back to school and the house being empty, what that means is I've got to shut the door because... <laughs> 
the cat is down here saying, where is everybody? And he's raising oh. hell. So give me one second. I'll hold it down here for a second while you're gone. Um, Jeremy, nice to see you, of course, everybody over in the chat. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been fun to chat with Scott this morning about that. I mean, he brought me a mousy and everything. Saw. Like, you know, comes walking in with a, you know, a little toy in his mouth. Like, where is everybody? So like, I feel bad, but you're getting the door, cat. Yeah, you got to tell him. Get, let that cat know that you're still here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so defensive line, especially interior defensive line, was one of your major concerns. Did you have any concerns on the offensive side of the ball? I know that we're still looking at that quarterback competition, of course, between Josh Johnson and Brett Rippon, which I do believe that Brett Rippon was the one who... Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shout out a lot more um, this past Saturday, but what about the offensive line, Scott? That's another one that I think a lot of people have been concerned about since the start of offseason, even through mm -hmm. training camp. You know, once we got the actual depth chart, you know, that was going to happen, that was for sure during preseason, we all calmed down a little bit. But after that performance, are you worried about the offensive line at all? Real quick, uh, I'm going to hit Lawrence. He came in with some stars. Lawrence, I think yep. the defense is missing Vic Fangio. He sucked at offense, but got to give him credit for the defense. Yes. He kept the scoring down on both sides of the ball. If you look at a defensive efficiency is kind of a metric that's in vogue these days to help balance out people who just want to try and kill the game. Mm. And the Broncos were a middling at best defense last year when it comes to per play averages. Um, he tried to take the air out of the ball and limit the amount of plays, which limited the amount of scoring. But as far as being a good defense and getting stops when they needed to, turnovers, sacks, etc., this was not a good defense last year. Uh, and, and when teams could just run the ball right up the middle on them, they did. So you're counting on Draymond stepping up this year. You're counting on DJ Jones being a big player for you this year. Josie Jewell coming back, I think, will help a lot. We, we miss his leadership out there. Yeah. And then um, Deshaun Williams, and hopefully, you know, and then it gets, that's when it starts getting scary for me, Lawrence. Uh, on the offensive line, Kim, though, to answer your question, I spent the first two series while Calvin Anderson was out there watching him. Okay. Because that, of the guys that were out there, that's the one who you're 
think is going to be out there. Now, we did get some good news this uh, after the game that Billy Turner is supposed to be back in practice this week yeah. and is still on, on schedule to be ready for week one, but that's coming quick, cool. and he hasn't been playing. So I watched Calvin Anderson. I, I thought he was fine. You know, I don't think he was great, but I think in pass plays, uh, he was handling his one-on-one -on -one matchups were fine. So of the guys that were out there, no, I wasn't overly concerned that the reserve defense offensive line, who, again, you don't want to have playing anyway, there's not the rotation like there is on defense, that they couldn't get any push, that they weren't very good moving forward against the 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 the, the Bills defense. Now, Kim, that, that didn't bother me at all. That's where I'm... Take it with a grain of salt. I'm not worried. It's the offensive side of the ball. Let me see it first. Defense scares me because we saw a lot of guys that you're counting on being on the field in, in, in de with depth situations. You play a lot of your twos on defense. and They didn't look very good. No. Well, and going back to what you said about Vic Fangio, I know you said middle at best. It's interesting because they did have very good stats last year when it came to the defense, you know, and Fangio's last year Boring with the Broncos. Defense yardage but, again because they held the plays down they did but when it comes to overall and people saying oh well their defense was so good I think that's what they look at right mm -hmm. is the stat saying okay the Broncos were third in the league for points allowed mm -hmm. you know I mean they they were top 10 for a lot of other defensive stats but when you really break it down like you said and say okay but look at what they did versus what they need to do to get the wins because that's not what they were getting then you can turn it around and you can really understand that maybe this defense was not up to the level that we were understanding or that not all of us but some people were you know really saying oh all we needed was that quarterback our defense was so good when you look at what was actually happening with the defense last year this isn't that that much of a a shocker, I guess, to see the defense performing the way they are right now and understanding that we don't have the depth that we need. So it is kind of putting all of the little puzzle pieces together. And I think that um, I'm guilty of this as well. I was way too hyped, way too excited about the Russell Wilson and the offensive thing to understand what was really going on on defense these past few months. So now it's it's time to get serious. It's time to have that reality check in, you know, all we can do from from our standpoint is hope and understand that the coaching staff is seeing, you know, what's really happening and that they're they're having a lot of work done in those meeting rooms because I think a lot of it is a film watching, tape watching for this defense for them to understand what's going on and to see themselves up against a team like the Buffalo Bills and what some offenses in the AFC can really can really do. And good morning to Mark Schrader. Welcome in. Appreciate you being here. And Kim, I just went and looked it up real quick. Uh, team rankings. Let me see what it is. I'll give them a shout out. Teamrankings.com is mm -hmm. uh, they they charted plays against and they included the entire season, the last three games, and the last one. So going into the last three games of the season, which were the three games that Drew Locke started, the Broncos had the fewest offensive plays run against them in the NFL. Oof. Okay. So keeping the score down. That that's part of it. So it was overall for the whole season, it was 61.1 for the season. The Chicago Bears led at 59.4. Now it means you're giving up, you're limiting the possessions, which is good. But the flip side of that is uh let me see real quick. Most and you know, plays per game is the Broncos were 26th at 60.9. And with Drew Locke, they only ran 50 plays per game. 
So that's where it switched with Drew Locke. Those last three games, they gave up 71 plays instead of like 58. And they only ran 50 plays per game instead of 63. So again, it was, if you watch basketball at all, this was two half court offenses going at each other, you know, walking up, using all of the shot clock and scoring. It's like, Oh, we had the best defense in the, in the league. Well, no, you didn't. Cause they scored every time they went, they had the ball. You just, it just took longer. <laughs> you just, yeah, exactly. And just, when it comes to defense, I mean, what's the number one thing that you have to do on defense to score and to win games, take the ball away. Yeah. And the they had 18 takeaways. That was tied for sixth fewest last yeah. year. So, I mean, that's a big thing right now. You look at the teams that did make it into the playoffs. They look at how many takeaways that defense had. So, yes, when you you can talk about possessions and plays and whatnot, but when you're out there, you want to take that ball away and get the offense back on the on the field there. So that's something that it kind of goes to show another just breakdown there of what was happening with the defense. That's not yeah, something that um, Ken, takeaways is not nearly enough. Ken Wanless has a, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but has a good comment on Facebook on here. It's just not a single good team had a problem scoring when they had to. And that's, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. I kind of think of, you asked me about quarterbacks, you know, who, who do you think the best quarterback? It's the one I want with the ball in his hands down four points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. with two minutes to go that to me that's the best quarterback and for me the defense is what defense do I want on the field in that situation mm-hmm. that's that's the best defense so um I, I I agree with you Ken that was a, a very good comment um let me see Lawrence has come in with some stars too and he says I think before all we need was a quarterback but I think we switched way too much this offseason to be able to continue that success we had continue you haven't been hey. in the playoffs in six years Lawrence um <laughs> You you haven't had success. And I think you probably mean on the defensive side of the ball. But again, as we just went through, you weren't that good on defense either. It was a, it was a mirage. It's like, yeah, we kept the scoring down, but it was, it was phony. You know, it was, it wasn't really, you weren't keeping the scoring down because you were getting a bunch of three and outs. You were keeping the scoring down because you were getting lots of long sustained scoring drives and then you might get a first down and there were no explosive plays on the offensive side of the ball either. So if, when you were able to move the ball, there were longer, slow drives. It was a bend and then eventually break type of defense. Usually, even if you were kicking a field goal, when the other team, when you weren't scoring, the other team might have an eight play, six minute drive that ended up in three points. But, you know, six of those, you lost, you lose the game. So there wasn't success. No. What I've guaranteed on here, Lawrence, is this team's going to be more fun to watch? Yes. You're you're going to have more explosive plays on offense, more takeaways on defense. You're not going to see him get gashed up the middle every single freaking series like you did against the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. But what we did see was that needs to be addressed, Kim. Well, and another big component on that defensive ball is when you can stop your opponent in the red zone. And guess what? We were ranked last year as the NFL team that can stop their opponent in the red zone out of all 32 teams, we were second. So we, as of, as of the fact that we could not stop them in the red zone. So um, I think that it's that red zone defense too. It's when it matters. Like you said, like Lawrence said, um, you know, they could score. Other teams could score. Sorry. I'm sorry. This was Ken. Other teams could score when they needed to. And when the defense was out there and they needed to stop it on Den on the Broncos, they couldn't. So I think that uh, it's, it's all just kind of being broken down in front of us with this last performance. But Scott, I'm curious because you and I didn't get to speak last season about the Denver Broncos. 
were you a Vic Fangio fan overall or were you, are you pretty much with the majority of Denver fans and you were ready to, to get rid of him? Well, last year was my first year really being involved with the Denver Broncos. So I came in with a fresh outlook on, yep. on life. Um, life. I was surprised that he was retained at all. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off two bad seasons with a new general manager, you're, you're gone. Yeah. I mean, the, a new general manager wants to bring in his own guy. So I was surprised that he was brought in at all. And then I've, I've said it on here a zillion times. I feel like it feels weird chiding a guy who's 15 years older than you, you know, in that neighborhood and in his sixties for being immature. And he acted like a 25 year old insecure child half the time that he was out there. Um, so he, his, he may be a good defensive guy doing what he could with what he had to keep that scoring down. That's how he felt. And he did, this is what he set up to do. He did I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's not a good defensive coach. I'm saying the Broncos weren't necessarily a top five defense last year. They were more middle of the road, but he was not a manager. He was not a manager of the team. You know, when you link a baseball, they don't call him the head coach. They call him the manager. It's, it's man management, both sides of the ball, getting the best out of your players. He didn't do that at all. By week five last year, he was a dead man walking. That team had already quit on him. Yeah. And game management as well, just on that topic of management. I know that was that always a, <laughs> a, a big issue there. But uh, yeah, I'm always just curious because, you know, when you do have a coach that is so strong on coaching one side of the ball, it's always just a little bit trickier to evaluate how they are as head coaches because you can see that. He definitely is a mastermind when it comes to the defense. You know, I think that he'll get a a great defensive coordinator job if he wants one next season after he takes this season off. And he's obviously had success at other teams at the D.C. position. But um, it's tough when you're that head coach because you have to be able to wrangle both sides of the ball. You have to be able to know what's going on, to to call plays if you have to. And I think that's something that – we were definitely missing. And now we've got a head coach that specializes in the offense and, you know, play calling is not something that he's had to do for, for as a head coach, I should say, obviously he's been an offensive coordinator before, and he's had a really strong offense with the green Bay Packers and with Aaron Rodgers. But I just am so fascinated by the new coaches and how they coach together and what Nathaniel Hackett has gone through the last two weeks. He had a, a high roller coaster, you know, high, high atop that roller coaster when they beat the Cowboys. And now he's really at the bottom there with the the Buffalo Bills. So next week will be very telling. Kim, it's funny. Oh, when you said beat the Dallas Cowboys, it's funny that the Dallas Cowboys came in because this goes back to Vic Fangio. Big E says, uh, hey, Scott, most of the time when you have guys that want to point fingers and act like children um, that are over people is because they have no confidence in themselves. And I know and and they're to blame. That's why I think I use the, the term insecure. Yeah, you know, he he was completely insecure, and Absolutely. the worst I saw of it wasn't in a loss; it was in success. Mm. It was the smug "Hey, look at me" attitude mm. after they beat the Cowboys last year. That was, I was in shock. You honestly. don't want to see that. I really was. I'm like, this no. dude, he has no business being a head coach in this league, and that that's okay. What the uh, is it the old Peter principle? You get you know promoted just above where you should be until you finally settle back in. Mm. Let him be a let him be a. a defensive mastermind they like the x's and o's they don't like people that's where they end up having the the problem that's where they end up having the problem um let me see chris jenkins had a good comment too here that i liked seeing chris says we had vaughn there too to help scare defense um 
coaches into certain game planning without a fear defense player or two, you get pushed around. I, I don't necessarily think it was Vaughn helping to influence the scheme. When I read that, Chris, I read it as you basically have to worry about scheming around him. A difference maker on defense changes the game. So Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, Pat Sertan, all in their own right can be difference makers on defense. That's a big deal, but you got to get the middle of the defense shorn up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, I don't worry about what's going on in the perimeter. If I can just run it right up the gut on you, if I can get seven yards to carry up the middle, those guys don't matter. No, they don't and- matter. You know, I, I do think Chris has a point there because you do think about the strong defenses. You think about teams last year, like the LA Rams and Aaron Donald. I mean, everyone just says we are scared of Aaron Donald. And so I think in that sense where Chris is saying it's that you do have that one big guy, that one key right. name on some of these defenses that perform changer. really well and they're really strong that people are scared of. Mm-hmm. And the teams, you know, when they when they see the Rams on their schedule, they're like, oh, crap, that's Aaron Donald. You know, it's just kind of that name that 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 tweaks when you uh, when you think about these certain teams, you know, and like when JJ Watt got hurt on the Cardinals last year, everyone was like, Oh my God, they're done. You know, it's over. It's the one, it's that one name. And I do think Von Miller was that name for the Denver Broncos for a really long time. So I do understand your point there, Mm -hmm. but also like Scott said, there are a handful of guys who can really make some strong plays and really be that key guy. They're maybe just not at the stature or at the size that, that we need. And therein lies where the the defensive line needs to show up. Well, and again, you, you feel good, hopefully about who you've got on the interior line that didn't play. All right. So do you need to find someone else? Do you need to bring someone else in? I think, yes, I, I think you do. I think there needs to be an incoming 300 plus pounder on the defensive line. And then you can scheme a little bit. If you're good enough on the back end, I can walk Josie Jewell up to the line of scrimmage and have him play inside up tight and close off another gap. I can bring in two linebackers and do the things. It's just, I'm not sure that's what Ajiro Evero wants to do. I don't think he wants to play with two inside linebackers most of the game. I think he'd prefer to have one uh, and bring pressure off the edge and 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 prevent the big plays and let Simmons and Sertan you know, pick plays off as you're getting pressure. But if you yeah. are susceptible up the middle, I was going to say that it's tough. I mean, I'm sure that's what he would like to do, right? Mm-hmm. Have, have Sertan and then really nix those big plays, but then you're just going to get a big play up, up the middle. You're just going to have them run straight up the middle and then you're going to, yeah. they're all going to be big running plays. So yeah, it goes hand in hand there. And then it gets tough again. It was like, it was like I said last year, your offense was always third and long because you couldn't run the ball. Your defense was always third and short. They couldn't stop the run. And that means you get a lot of first downs against you as they just work their way down the field. Hey, we didn't get about the big play. You're going to give up more big plays this year. I promise you. Not every game is going to look like the first Raiders game last year where David Carr, I think, averaged about 23 yards per completion. It's not going to look like that. But you're going to see more stuff similar to that instead of the death by a thousand cuts that we saw last year. Yes, which is a sad and long death, too. We don't want to see that that again. But I think you said da- David Carr. Is David Carr back on the Raiders, Scott? I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm old, and the, the, the first impressions are the ones. So his brother. Derek. <laughs> I remember, it, no, it's the, funny. I was watching NFL Network last week, and they were talking about the best brother duo 
in the NFL and Derek and David Carr were like at the top and everyone was like, but David doesn't even play anymore. It's just funny. Cause it's, that yeah, was very, I, uh, uh, about that I, I'm surprised that announcers don't do it more often live. I am too. They so, probably do. Honestly, when, do you they, watch when they, when you have them say like the, the kid's dad's name, it's yes. the first thing. It's like, I can remember my elementary school teachers, but I can't remember 90% of the people I worked with for a year, three years ago. It's just, <laughs> It's like I'm sorry. My I've talked about this before. My hard drive's full. My yes, my long term. No, seriously, it's full. Seriously, once your brain, my brain has capped at about you know 25 yeah, years old and everything after that. Sorry. This the story. The storage is full. On that note, I think it's probably about time for us to get out of here. Um, let me ask you, Kim, as far as looking forward to the next game. What are a couple adjustments you want to see? Is it does it include maybe a few more of the first teamers or not? You know, I think it does. I know we've talked about the risk reward and the injury thing, but at this point, after that performance on Saturday, I don't think we can play it 100% safe. I think these guys are going to have a scary wake-up call when they get to Lumen Field on Seattle Monday night. That is a lot of pressure. That is the game that everyone is talking about. And like you said, it's right around the corner. It's two weeks from today. And I'm just a little bit nervous after that performance that – if we keep all of our big guys off, I think they need to get out there and get a, get their feet underneath them a little bit. So I do hope to see Nathaniel Hackett put in a couple more starters, maybe not necessarily Russell Wilson, but a couple of guys on defense to get these guys going, because I think having that leadership right out there, right next to these guys might kind of light a fire under there. You know what? So I do hope to see that a little bit on defense. I hope to see a little bit more of the product that we will actually see on Seattle in Seattle on that Monday night, because I'm just nervous that they're going to get out there and it's going to be a, a scary reality check. And I don't know if all of you saw what Drew Locke said in one of his press conferences, but he said, I'm out here working. I just don't have to put it on social media. And I think that was a direct shot to Russell Wilson and to what the Denver Broncos have been doing. And that scares me too, because when people are working, when you're not watching, you never know what's going to happen. And maybe that, I think that offense probably has some things they're saying about Russell Wilson and about the Broncos too. So I just think it's going to be a, re a big reality check. I thought you were actually going to say he was working, but you don't get to see it because he's in isolation again for like the third or fourth time. So <laughs> which honestly um, could be. <laughs> again, it's all, it's all fun. You know, bulletin board material again, blah, blah, blah. We, we talk about this. There's, there shouldn't be a whole lot of extra motivation needed for this first game. So, Kim, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we will be back tonight. It will be the Mile High Huddle podcast with Zach and Chad tonight at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. And then Nick and I will be back at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time for Broncos for Breakfast. Appreciate everybody being here, our Super Chat superstars and all of our contrib contributors, contributions, <laughs> and all of our contributors during the chat. Um, check out huddleuppod.com for your merch. I have already gotten on Chad because my Broncos for breakfast mug isn't there anymore, so we will get that fixed. Um, but again, appreciate you waking up with us this morning and having a great show. Thank you, Kim, for being here, and we'll see you next time. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 